And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Stainer and Jay. It's Stainer and Jay. All right, welcome to the latest edition to Hear That Podcast Growling. Paul, of the athletic are here we're presented by visa a network working for everyone we're working for you what's up jay doing well looking for, we've got this break coming up uh can't wait for it uh it was it was a bit of an eventful morning i know this isn't bengals related but i woke up at 5 45 a.m to my wife running out on the porch the construction on our street that's been going on for a year started at 5 45 in the morning she was not happy there should gonna, be a time yes. that's set that you cannot do work that is loud and construction-y <laughs> before. I mean, I, I'm i up early every day. I'm getting woken up early every day by kids. But, like, I feel like eight, like, when the workday starts during the week, are we really anything before eight feels? They've been seven. They've been seven o'clock like clockwork. Um, today was the anomaly. So I thought she was going to start screaming at him. She didn't. She just took video and then contacted the city of Hamilton. And so hopefully we'll get it taken care of. A sternly worded letter, always important <laughs> in these situations. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to get to. End of the off season is here. Uh, and we're excited to be here. Um, you know, we're, we're going to take a break here now. The next six weeks, everybody kind of disappears. Um, players will go on vacation. Joe Burrow is going to Vegas. Uh, with Jesse Bates, apparently we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but you know, it's a kind of a little bit of a downtime for everybody. Last OTA is going off right now as we kind of speak. And then training camp comes in July and we'll be full go on that. But for now, it's, it's kind of entering the one dead period. The one time the NFL is like, <laughs> all right, we'll give you that. <laughs> all right, fine. You can have that one. Uh, we're taking the rest of the calendar, though. And so um, we've got a bunch of fun stuff planned for you. But today we're going to get to just some takeaways from Joe Burrow speaking on Tuesday to wrap up the offseason. Zach Taylor speaking on Tuesday to wrap up the offseason. I thought both had some interesting things to say. We'll bring you uh, some of Joe in particular. Uh, and uh, we will bring in our good friend Mo Egger from ESPN 1530. And then uh, we'll have some of your questions that you have as we head into the offseason at the end of the show. We we I've been mentioning, Jay, that we have this series that is going to be going off to fill the next few weeks. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, we will kind of preview it and talk about it, um, as it launches next week. So you will hear and see much more about it. All I can say is, uh, we've already got a few in the bag and a couple more that we're going to about to record before we all go on our vacations. And, um, they have been awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm really happy with the way that it's come out to this point. And 
I think people are going to really like it and and I think learn a lot more about those that are shaping the direction of the Bengals. It should be fun. How soon before we we go deeper into detail on what this is right before we drop the first episode or. Yeah, I think we'll do, I think we'll do an explanation where we'll talk about it. Yeah. Right at the top yeah. of the first one. So you'll, you'll know and what it, what it is, what we're doing and, and, uh, and we'll have some good, uh, you know, reaction to, to all of them as we go through. And, and I think people will, uh, I think people will, they're all different. They're on the long one thread. I got one, we have one thread throughout the whole thing, but they all end up being a little different in their own ways and uh, I'm just excited about it. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Uh, we worked really hard on them, putting them together, and everybody was very uh, generous with their time. And so that's starting yes. next week. Our teases have gotten longer, but we've not gotten too much more specific, <laughs> Jay. We're still letting it hang out there. People wonder what exactly is going on here. So that starts next week and will run um, through the middle of July until we get closer to getting back and doing some season preview stuff. So that is coming your way. We've got stories up on the side, of course. Um, my story on the uh, halftime hijinks, which is very similar <laughs> to the sophomore slump. Yeah, in that it's alliteration. The, the alliteration really helps bring it all out. It's 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 hijinks mostly because it was at halftime. Uh, but talking to Clark Harris and Evan McPherson and Darren Simmons about uh, all of that is up on the site now. If you want to uh, read, it's it was a fun story to tell, and uh, thanks to them for being so open about something that has been more than just eight seconds on NBC for all of them. <laughs> hijinks is one of my favorite underrated words along with tomfoolery but you're right it, it had to be halftime hijinks because of the the alliteration and oh, yeah. i i knew you were working on this story i couldn't wait to read it and it's as good as i thought it would be i mean i i kind of mentioned it when i retweeted your link that it would have been very easy for those guys to say it's in the past i don't want to talk about it they know darren is mad at them um and for you to get them to open up and kind of tell all the background and everything i just i thought it was awesome yeah, they were great. They were great. It was fun. If you want to go give it a read, please do. You can subscribe to The Athletic just as always. And thanks, everybody, that's watching us here uh, on YouTube. This is fun. Uh, we're going to be doing these, of course, and having these up here for you as the year goes by. We have extra stuff that's on the audio podcast, longer uh, interviews and things like that. But um, it's going to be it's, – it's good for us to have all this stuff up for you and uh, be able to uh, – be lot, you know. We it means you got to dress up a little bit, Jay. I mean, at least whoops. I got I got to shine. I got to shine it up <laughs> a little bit. You got to get your, you know, get your your perfectly made up hair quaffed just right. No, you can't just be. You can't be totally in the sweatpants. Oh, you can. I guess this is sweatpants. It's Zoom culture. I have on gym shorts right now, but I do have That's a hear that podcast growling T shirt on. So look at you. I have Quebec the Quebec Nordiques. Uh, so I'll, 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 this will be a good chance for me to trot out a number of my different weirdo, uh, t-shirts that I have. I love anybody, if anybody has any, if anybody ever wants to send me a gift, uh, I love <laughs> defunct professional sports teams. If it's, you have a, if you can find a t-shirt of a team that is no longer in existence, I wear a large, uh, and, uh, I, I love any team that is no longer in existence. I have a whole pile of them that are fun to pull out. So I'll pull a bunch of those out as we go through. Uh, so I don't have to wear the hear that podcast. Is that, is that like wearing the, the concert? Jay, you, you could talk about this. Is that like wearing the, the, the band t-shirt to the concert here? 
You know, as many concerts as I've go, I go to, I never knew that was a thing, that that was taboo to wear the band that you're seeing. I, I didn't find that out until last year when we went to the Foo Fighters opening up the Icon Center. So I have, I have adhered to it since then. Um, but no, I, I think this is, I guess maybe the show doesn't need promotion because if people are watching or listening right now, they already are aware of it. But yeah, I just, it was there. It's at the top of my t-shirt drawer, and so I threw it on today. You don't have to explain anything to me. You don't <laughs> have to explain anything to me. Um, all right, let's go um, quickly, and let's switch over to Joe Burrow speaking uh, on Tuesday. This, again, this was the last open availability of the practices uh, over the entire offseason, and, and he sat back at the podium just as he did as, at the opening of all of these uh, practices to us. And um, I'll bring you a real quick clip because to me it was the theme that was obvious, that was really in your face about all of this. And I just thought it kind of it, – it's important to hear this is because I, I think this is really where everything starts with your major takeaways from Burrow yesterday. <laughs> what the next two weeks look like for you? Are you going to go – do you go somewhere? Do you stay here? Do you have a training program that you want to do somewhere? Or what is that – what's the next few weeks going to look like for you? Yeah, I'll be here. i got a couple trips I have to take, but – Make sure to, to bring my guy with me so we can get our workouts in. Can't be missing any workouts this close to camp, so it's time to walk in. So somebody will travel with you? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. All the workouts that you've been doing, you feel like, going back even a couple of years ago, you feel like the gains you've made, you're further ahead than you were even a couple of years ago? Yeah, I'm just getting stronger. Body's getting more connected, moving more efficiently. The whole nine yards. Food-wise, do you take a chef? Trip no, I don't take the chef. I'm not quite there yet. Maybe second, maybe second contract will take the chef. <laughs> <laughs> will, will, uh, you, uh, you know, will you do anything with your receivers for uh, for camp? To be determined. I'll definitely do some throwing here in, here in town. I don't think we need to take a big trip before camp. We got a great six weeks of work in right here, but there'll be guys in town for that. You know, week two weeks before camp, so we'll definitely get some work in. As an offense, what's the biggest objective, objective that you all want to accomplish during the OT period? Just get used to, you know, the biggest thing is just getting getting the chemistry back with, you know, obviously the receivers, but getting that relationship built back up in the locker room. We got some new faces in there, so you got to kind of start from the ground up every year and build that relationship throughout the locker room. And every year you have 15 or 20 new faces with all the rookies and the free agents that you bring in, so it's just building that team cohesiveness that's been, you know, played a big part in, in our success last year. How has building that been so far? It's been great. Everyone that we've brought in has been exactly what we're looking for as far as a, a locker room perspective from the rookies to the free agents. I mean, they've all been great. What's it been like working with Ted? Ted's awesome. You know, he's a, uh, a loud leader up front that, that you want out of your center. He's exactly what we could have hoped for. He's been above and beyond what, what you could ask for. During this break, do you get away from football totally? Or do you <clears throat> no, you know, no, we're lo- you look at tape and check things out. We're locked in now. You know, it's it's go time. We're a month, month and a couple weeks out from camp, so you know I'm locked in. Every day. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking about football. I'm thinking about football every day. It's uh, you know, this this month leading up to camp is, you know, I'm feeling more intense out there at practice. Feeling more intense in the meeting rooms and my in my workouts and. And all of the above. It's go time. When you say you're locked in like you are, do you feel that you're, you're setting the bar and the rest of the guys are like, man, Joe's putting all this time in doing this? Do you feel like 
you know, guys will try to emulate what you're doing? Um, you know, I don't know. That's probably a better question for them. That's not, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get better every single day. You know, that's my goal coming out there. I want to improve in whatever area that I can, whether it's on the field or in the weight room or, or in the film room. Is your mindset nobody's going to work you though? I wouldn't say that's my mindset. I would say my mindset is that I'm going to work as hard as I can every day. And I'm not – I don't think you can go as hard as you can every single day and think about someone else. I think you have to think about what you need to do every single day and, you know, focus on getting better in, in certain aspects, whether it's getting stronger in the weight room and, you know, you hit a, a PR and a lift or you're getting better technique or you're going out and you have a, a breakthrough on the field as far as your mechanics. So I don't you – know, I don't go into – my workouts every day, thinking oh, I gotta outwork this guy. I gotta outwork myself yesterday and get better each day. Jay, you kind of made a joke about the second contract earlier. When you see things like Aaron got 50 mil per year and Deshaun got 230 million guaranteed, what goes through your head just when you see that, knowing what could be in line for you? I mean, the the market is just exploding. It's crazy the the numbers that these guys are putting up, and I think it's well deserved. All those guys are playing at the top of their game and you know they're being paid accordingly um, but you know I'm not I'm not worried about I like to make jokes about it but I'm not really not haven't thought about it much right now was that do you allow yourself to even think for a second of what that could be like when that moment comes for you is or is that just something that's almost hard to yeah I mean it's hard to to wrap your head around I'm I mean when it comes it comes if it comes so we'll see I'm excited about this year both uh, teammates you guys were really explosive on offense last year. Does it feel like just with the added pieces up front, the chemistry you built with Jamar, TV, all those guys, you can just take up another level this year? Yeah, we just got to be more consistent, you know, not rely on those big plays as much. Um, teams are going to be playing too high and making us check the ball down and all that, so we got to be able to, to sustain drives and run the ball and take what the defense gives us all the way up and down the field um, and then take those opportunities when they present themselves. When you're not doing football stuff, next six weeks training and hobbies that you're really excited about getting after? Um, just gaming, relaxing on the couch, watching some TV. That's usually all I all I do. Did you watch that to share with Nebraska? I did. What'd you think? It was a very very good fight. Um, I thought Glover was gonna pull it out, but you know Yuri got him in that in that choke. That was crazy. You know I was like I said, I love watching that every Saturday, so I got fired up. <laughs> Do you have your thoughts on, on Jesse and how much you want to see him back with the team when camp starts? Yeah, Jesse's a big part of this team. And, you know, you can put a, a price tag on what he does on the field, but I don't think you can on what he does in the locker room. He's been a guy that has kind of built what we're doing here. He was one of the first. And Jesse's exactly the kind of player that I think you want to reward for the work that he's done for the last four years through the ups and the downs. And, you know, we weren't very good for three years while he was here. And then, you know, he's been through it all. So, you know, we're, we're hoping that everything works out in, in his favor. I know that he's working really hard right now in the weight room. He's, looks, he's looking great. He's going to be ready to go for, for whenever he gets here. You know, business is business. He's got to take care of what he's got to take care of. But I know, you know when it's time to show up, he's going to be ready to go. How do you characterize his leadership? Obviously, you think a lot of him as a leader, but how would you characterize him? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. It's just, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, I talk about being able to 
hang out with anybody on the team, sit down at any lunch table. He's one of those kind of guys that can have a conversation with anybody on the team and make them feel welcome. And I think you know, those guys are invaluable to, to an organization and a program that's trying to achieve what, what we're trying to achieve. When's the last time you talked to him? I talk to Jesse all the time. We're going to be taking a trip here soon together, so I'm excited about that. Matt, where are you going? Vegas. Are you going to be like TV and Chase and be out until 5 in the morning? I can't imagine that's what I'm going to be doing, but <laughs> we might. Who knows? All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. There it is. It's go time, right? I mean, <laughs> I, let's just say this. I have been in a lot of last day of OTA off-season program locker rooms. Uh, it's go time isn't normally what anybody is saying. <laughs> it's go time, time to go on vacation, time to take my mind off of football, time to relax. Uh, but I thought this was an, an yet another important message sent by QB1 here of, look, we got it easy this offseason. They took it easy on us. We were not pushed. This was not a physically taxing off-season program. It was meant to not be that way. It was, was about mental stuff. But now it's time to be in shape. It's time to be ready. There's no missing workouts. There's no letting yourself go anymore or trying to keep this relaxation tone going when camp shows up. Everybody, because I'm going to be, better be ready to bring it day one of camp because that's when we start getting serious again. And I think that's important because I, coaches always kind of impart that message to guys. Um, and, and you still get guys that, that show up out of shape a little bit. But, but when it's the quarterback, when it's the leader of the team, not, not a lot of guys show up out of shape, but it happens randomly. But when you have the quarterback of the team, I mean, you, I think it, it holds more sway where, where guys are, are going to do what they need to do. You're, you're not going to see guys slacking off and coming in and, and being not, not, overweight out of shape but just struggling to go early in camp to, to run the gassers to to do all the stuff they're asking them to do hit the ground running and it's it could it could be lip service from a guy where he says i'm gonna i'm gonna do all this in the off season or in, in this four or five week break you get to send that's not the case with joe he's not going to sit up there and tell you one thing and do another thing and um it's it is important because 
they got not only had a soft off, not soft IC, it, they, they eased them in. Like you said, a lot of mental stuff, but they also gave him the extra two weeks at the start of this offseason. So this is, and Zach alluded to that too. That was the vacation. This is now a break to kind of rest your mind a little bit, but you have, you have to stay with the workouts. And Joe said that he's, he's gonna, he's gonna take a couple trips and he's, he's gonna take his guy with him, um, to, to make sure he doesn't miss a workout. Um, I'm going on vacation next week. I will not be doing any You're such taking thing. Taking a guy with you? No, <laughs> I am you? not <laughs> taking uh, my guy, Ryan Guy's Truth, with me because yeah. <laughs> you can't buy it where we're going. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's to to hear him say. I mean, it's just it, it goes back to everything we've kind of seen and heard from him since he got here. He he is just not the leader based on talent, but just this tone setter, leading by example. Um, that was not just example. That was kind of saying it out there. And I don't know if he's expecting other players, but I'm sure he said the same thing to players in the locker room that this, this is the time it's, it, it, it's get locked in, be ready to go. when when they come back at the end of July. Yeah. And, and that was just so important with the, you know, really the trajectory of how they handled this off season. Stephen Holder, has a great piece on how teams across the league are now changing the way that they handle the offseason. The Bengals are really at the tip of the spear with that. They're not the only team dialing back. I mean, even Bill Belichick, no days off, <laughs> is given gave guys the last three days off. And I and you know, understand and this was what was the what was the storyline this time last year, right? Zach's getting weak. <laughs> these guys, these soft. They're getting soft on these guys. You gave them the last day of OTAs off. How dare you? This is going to set them back. How could they ever win anything if you teach them to just, they'll get a day off, right? And you yeah. let them go. You need those practices. You need those reps, right? The league is just, it's just going so far away from that. And it's going to be fascinating to watch how the league reacts in coming years because I think the NFL would like to have these teams in there all the time. It's good for keeping it as the year round and thing. And the more they're there, the more that they're being interviewed, you know, but I think coaches are finding the payoff in taking it easier. And you're seeing that happen a lot across the league. I highly recommend reading all Steven's piece. It's kind of the, the league version of a lot of things that we've been talking about here with the Bengals who are included uh, in that story. And I, I, you know, but that it needs to be, you know, a part of a bigger picture, a part of everyone understanding you're, we're doing this so that in camp you're fresh and energized and have enough to get through the entire season. And so that being Burrow's message, you know, I think was, was, was what you want to have, which is not surprising. Like it's, I mean, yet again, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever like, oh, man, can't believe Burrow said just the right thing today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just who he is. It's what they're going to be. It's why they love him. It's why he's going to get uh, paid a bunch of money, though he's not thinking about that right now. I did ask him about that, uh, about his, his contract, and or about seeing the money. You know, we're, this is the first brooch. I was just planting the first little contract seed in there before we got into the season. Uh, of look, all we saw Aaron Rodgers got an extension, fifty mil. Deshaun Watson got two hundred thirty mil guaranteed. We're seeing these contracts. You're next. Like even just what is that like? What is that? What thought 
do those pop up? And he said, oh, you know, the market's exploding. These guys are getting what they're worth. They're getting what they deserve. And, you know, but I'm not really thinking about that. And then kind of doubled up again with uh, it's it's not really something that's on my mind. I'm looking forward to having a big year. And uh, it's the right thing to say. I mean, it's, it's where he is at. He doesn't need to think about it yet. I'm sure his agent is. But, you know, uh, that does it for him. Going out and being just as good as he was last year will cement that he will end up in that same conversation with those guys. But no no long explanation from Joe on his thoughts on potentially being a $50 million man. No, and that's not surprising. I, again, it's, it's one of those things where you would maybe expect a player to say, but it feels genuine with him where – he knows it's out there and that's why you have an agent. That's it's the agent's job to, to worry about that and start planning for that. And, and I, I do believe him that he is not thinking for a minute um, about that. And, and, you know, it, it is all about status. I mean, when you're talking 50 million a year, 30 million a year, it's once you get to a certain level, it's just, it's just extra income. That's going for way down the line of, of your future and your, your kid's future and your grandkids future. And, and I don't think he's concerned with that right now. I think his number one focus is, is getting back and, and being better. And, and he talked about that, we're, we're feeling healthy now and, and he's not practicing with the knee brace. And um, he's, he's doing these sprints that you wrote about after practice, really getting after it. And he, he, feels just based on that, on not having the the knee issue um both mentally and physically be be a variable this year that that he can take it to the next level and he's gonna do everything possible to make sure that happens. He said yesterday he was going he ran as fast as he has since. uh since the surgery. You know, when we were talking like I wrote about uh, the when he first we first saw him do those. He's getting after it after practice, trying to see how fast he can go and checking his miles per hour or whatever. I believe he said he crossed 20 uh, miles per hour yesterday. And, you know, that's, I mean, the fact that he's able to think about that and be focusing on that instead of the things that we were talking about a year ago really only goes to show how far he could go. I want to get to Zach and some things that he said and some more about Joe talking about Jesse Bates here in a minute, but first I want to bring in Mo Egger. Let's uh let's 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 take a let's take our minute to bring in our good friend from ESPN fifteen thirty Mo. What's hey up, guys? Buddy? Hey, hey how you doing? Uh, really quickly, a couple yes. of things I, I want to address that you've been talking about. Uh, Paul, you said you like uh, T-shirts from defunct teams. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll bring you this uh, Cincinnati Reds T-shirt uh, next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. That's yeah. good. That's also, good. Uh, the, the the in the thesaurus, the thesaurus.com hijinks, one of mm. the synonyms is tomfoolery. Oh. And so in, in the in the headline, we could have gone with misbehavior, rowdiness, antics. This would have been my personal favorite, buffoonery. Yeah, I like buffoonery. <laughs> yeah. Capers. Now Caper I had Caper, Caper was in the story. Caper was in the story. Mm-hmm. I would like to point out. I I actually had to hold myself back because I had Caper in there too many times, and I was like, I don't want to over Caper. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I just I I now as much as I appreciated the alliteration, I would have preferred buffoonery. Yeah. Yeah. Was it more buffoonery? I mean, buffoonery has such a has a negative hijinks to me suggests you know uh, there's um. 
some quality execution involved in it. It's crazy, yeah. but it's, but yeah. I think buffoonery suggests derp, 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 derp. you can hear the music now. Derp, 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 derp. Buffoons, right? Buffoons, yeah. dumb people doing dumb things. Whereas even though Clark Harris suggested he was being dumb, they are not dumb. Hijinks is something that they pulled off maybe mm. fairly effectively. I think the buffoonery part kicks in when people started having takes on this. Right. That's <laughs> yes. when, when it when it enters my realm of sports talk radio, it it turns into buffoonery. Has it? Oh, yeah. Oh, you, are you kidding me? You know how much mileage I got? At a, we had a baseball lockout. Nobody going to the NCAA tournament in March. Are you kidding me? I had three <laughs> days on this. It was incredible. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so uh, Mo's tweets where they counted this week, Jay. Uh, they were, and he's holding steady um, right where he's been the last two weeks. He was at 97 this week. Okay. Wow. That's kind of your league average. I feel like that's your, like, yeah. war, your, your, you know, your war right on zero Baseline, replacement sort of. level. If you were replaced yeah. by another average radio host, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, it would you're be an upgrade. Right on, right on one, right on a hundred. It's kind of right, right around where you need to be. That's, that's a good one. Um, I have, I have one. So I have a launching point one for you, okay. and it's a two. It's kind of two parts. I'll let you react to the first thing. I have a second piece to this that connects. The one was it was a reaction that you tweeted to uh, Colin Cowherd segment, and it was you quoted him. The idea that you don't change your opinion is counterintuitive to intelligence, and you said, "I wish more people." believed this i was curious why that spoke to you and you what your feelings are on in take culture right like we all <laughs> have to have we have to think one way and we've made our decision and we set it and now we stand by it forever where you stand on that and then i'll follow up with a second piece to it well the the reason it spoke to me is um, I know there's a lot of different opinions about Colin Cowherd, and there's a lot of times he said things where I literally look at my listening device and go, what the F are you talking about? But what I've always appreciated by uh, about him is his flexibility when it comes to his opinions evolving. And in this business, um, it may be a little bit less so now as opposed to when I first got into it, but we were trained, uh, if you wanted to be on the air, here's your opinion, and you stand by it, and you plant your flag, and you're inflexible, and this is how it is. And I remember even as a kid going, that's not how people operate. Like you change your mind based on information. Information makes you change your mind, right? Um, and so I'm supposed to just, you know, have an opinion. And then if there's new information that would ordinarily cause me to change my opinion, I'm supposed to insist on being wrong. Like it doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> and and honestly, like the first um radio host that I ever heard say, Hey, I thought this, I said this yesterday, but now I feel this because this happened was Colin Cowherd. And I've always appreciated that. And I think, you know, well beyond sports, it feels like nobody's ever willing to change their mind. Like they would rather dig in on their opinion that they are clearly wrong about, or that has clearly been disproven rather than acknowledge. Yeah. You know what? I was wrong or how I felt then isn't how I feel now. Like, I, I don't know why in, in our business that's kind of frowned upon. And I mean, I'll tell you, like, I've, I don't know that I have a specific example off the top of my head, but I've changed my opinions on things, right? Like, um, 
I used to be the guy that kind of, I remember once we, we made fun of a, a guy ran out onto the field during a game. It wasn't Greg Gall, uh, but a guy ran out onto the field during a game and we had a good old laugh at it. And then a guy ran out onto the field at a Reds game and Billy Hamilton looked frightened. And I went on the air and I said, like, this isn't funny. Like we, we have all sorts of deranged people in this country. You have no idea what that person is doing. Like we need to take this seriously. And somebody called me and was like, well, you used to not feel that way. And it's like, well, things have changed. <laughs> things have, yes. I, I've changed my opinion, right? I've changed my things have happened in this country that now I'm a little scared when I see a dude running out onto the field. And this is maybe a little bit more serious example than, than you were looking for, but um, it could be about a player. It could be about a team. It could be about any number of things. It's it, you are, you are supposed to change your mind. And it, it just feels like in today's culture, once you've decided this is my opinion, you are not moving from that. And I don't, I don't relate to that. And I wish more people, and I, I agree with what Colin said, that's counterintuitive to intelligence. Because if you never change your opinion on anything, you are ignoring information. It's like I always say to people who are anti-analytics, I go, cool, uh, you're anti-information. You just like making decisions without as much information as possible. And they go, well, no, that's not it. I go, well, then why are you anti-analytics? Like, you don't have to understand all the math behind it, but you want the information in order to make your decision. And you want the people running your favorite team to have as much information as possible to make your decision. To me, if you are uh, unwilling to ever evolve your opinion or change your opinion, I mean, first of all, that's that's kind of what we do. The older we get, uh, I think your perspective changes um, uh, you, 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 life experience alters how you feel about certain things, but mainly when it comes to sports, things happen that should cause you to change your mind about things. Not everything. In fact, not most things, but it feels like in our business in particular, there is a, an insane reluctance to ever change your mind on anything. And I, I don't get it. And I think that that trickles down to fans. I think it trickles down to even people working for pro sports teams. I mean, it's not just talk show i mean you look at politicians or the, the, the prime oh. example where they are not allowed there it's they're called flip-floppers if they do and it's you're right there's new information becomes available and and some people dig in and call whatever the new information is fake it, it's just it is maddening because it there's there's plenty of things that that i've changed my mind on over the years and um you know sometimes it's it, it's my wife helping me see the light other times it's, it's reading and hearing things other times it's just experiencing things i you know i can uh country music used to hate it now i love it um craft Likewise. beer craft beer thought it was dumb i was a totally a bud light guy and now i rarely drink bud light i love craft beer it's just everything taste opinions all that stuff changes and evolves and uh i think it you you said it it's you're it's counterintuitive to intelligence to just dig in and say, this is the way it's going to be from now until the end of time. Um, we, we see it with the Bengals. It, it, there was a lot of people that were, that, that had kind of written them off and, and said, they'll never be fans again. And, uh, what happened last year, that magic run changed a lot of people's minds, a lot of people's opinions about that franchise. And that's the way it should be. All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's what I was going to ask you, Mo. I was going to follow up with that. Is mm-hmm. do you have a Bengals example? I mean, do you have a Bengals take, if we have to use that word, mm-hmm. uh, that has changed for you over time that maybe you never thought would, or just any any Bengals version of this conversation? So a couple, and they're maybe not the best examples. I think the most glaring would be Zach Taylor, who I used to compare to Dave Shula, and. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I've talked about a lot this offseason is we talk about the, you know, people write about or discuss the Bengals being candidates for regression. And I go, you know, I thought in the postseason, um, Samaj P. Ryan against Aaron Donald aside, I thought the Bengals got elite coaching, right? They they schemed offensively around a terrible offensive line and they won three playoff games around that. That's it's 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 great execution of the game plan and Joe Burrow not turning it over and them being just good enough on offense, but Coaching has no role in that. Coaching has no role in slowing down Derrick Henry and confusing Patrick Mahomes. So coming into last year, I wasn't that high on the coaching staff. And what I saw throughout the course of the season was, boy, you know, all the the leadership and cultural things that have been talked about forever. But what I saw in the field reflected pretty good coaching. And I, I think it's exciting to think about how Zach and that staff continues to grow into their individual roles, you know. I've said a couple of different times, people do get better at their jobs. Everybody but me. People do get better at their jobs. People do evolve. People do. And so, like, isn't it fun to think about how Zach Taylor might even be better at his job this year? So I've changed my mind. Um, Honestly, I'll give you one. um, The Andrew Whitworth thing. and, And only because I think sometimes, look, Andrew Whitworth leaves and I hammered the Bengals. I was devastated. I was angry. Uh, But it becomes such a theme. And everybody digs in on it and everybody repeats the same lines that for me, I tend to take a step back and go, okay, well, God, what is everybody missing here? What am I missing here? And now I don't want to say I defend the Bengals, but I've always said like, you know, the odds weren't that Andrew Whitworth was going to continue to play at a really high level deep into his thirties and really solidify what for me is a great hall of fame case. And so I've gone from, in March of 17, just hating what the Bengals did with Andrew Whitworth. Now, 
I don't like how it played out because it took them forever to, you know, find a suitable replacement. But like, I get it, right? They, they didn't, they didn't, they, they bet against a guy in his mid thirties playing at a Hall of Fame caliber level for years and years and years after he left. I understand that, and I know there's a lot more to it. So now, whenever the Andrew Whitworth thing comes up, and it still comes up all the time, certainly did uh, three months ago. I tend to defer a little bit to the Bengals just because I've thought about it a little bit more. And I've, I've, I've measured, all right, what were the, the odds that Andrew was going to play at this high level years after he left Cincinnati? Not great. And so the Bengals kind of bet against uh, that happening. That, that would sort of stand out to me. Um, I think another would be, frankly, to a degree, the Carson Palmer thing, because in 2011, I took Carson's side uh, because to me it was we're in this time when everybody is uh, evaluating their relationship with the Bengals and Mike Brown, why should Carson be any different? And I still sort of see it his way, but listening to some of his former teammates talk about it, listening to people with the Bengals talk about it, listening to other people's perspectives. Now I sort of feel like he should have handled it a little bit differently than he actually did when 10 years ago I was team Carson. I was on Carson's side, man. And 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 so that's that's maybe not the best example either, but but that's that's one as well. Um, you know, honestly, one would be my sort of view on something I just talked about, and it's it relates to the NFL, but it also relates to to baseball and the other sports, is you know, my my view on on analytics because I was the the caveman 10 years ago that was like <laughs> I don't care about that sort of stuff. And now it's like, well, that stuff really matters. And, and it, you know, maybe I don't understand every single statistic or, you know, mathematical equation that goes into um, analytics, but, but I understand their value. And I understand if I'm rooting for a team, I want the person in charge of the roster or in charge of making decisions to, you know, have that information at their disposal and value it. And, and so I've, I've evolved in that way. I've changed my mind. I mean, there's, there's lots of different things that come up throughout the course of, of, you know, me doing my job. But what I always get frustrated by is you get called out for changing your mind. And it's like, yeah, you know, human beings do change their minds. Dumb people don't smart ones do. I certainly would stop way short of saying that I'm smart, but, but at least in that regard, I'm, I'm flexible. Jay, do you have one? Uh, Bengals one. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of on the, the Whitworth one, too, um, not to piggyback off of Mo, but it, the, the Bengals were going to get killed either way there because the, the decision to let Whitworth go at the end of that year was was made a year earlier when, when they used their first two picks on Cedric O'Boyhe and Jake Fisher, that the succession plan was in place. And if you all of a sudden re-up Andrew Whitworth, then people are going to kill you. For, why did you take two tackles? And and if you're going to re-sign this guy anyhow, um, I I do see the long-range thinking there with the bank. And it didn't work out. I mean, O'Boyhe and Fisher were both busts. Or O'Boyhe was a bust. Fisher had the, the health problems. So there's no guarantee that's going to work out. I, I can't think of any other specific one Bengal related. Um, you know, maybe if you, you go back very, very early and in, in Mike Brown's tenure, I, I think it was a common perception that, that they were not going to be able to win with him in charge. He's still in charge. Um, although he's, he's seated so much control at this point. And maybe that is why you're seeing so much of this success. It's new thinking, but I don't really remember being 
super locked in on an opinion and, and just having it flip the way it has on, in some other aspects of my life. I, I wouldn't <laughs> say, I wouldn't say like, uh, you know, super locked in one, but the, I think the, the one that stands out recently that's relevant to this team was I didn't buy into culture. Like, mm-hmm. I, like every single coach that's ever been hired has stood on the podium at his first press conference and talk about establishing culture. To me, it was something everybody wants, something that was lip service. But after ex- seeing it in the flesh last year and really over the course of a couple of years here and it, it connected everything I had heard in talking to Andrew Whitworth and the Rams back when they were in the Super Bowl, when they said that was why everything changed there, it felt like a thing that you say, right? It's when when you win, it's what you say. Everybody talks about culture when you win, but I this watching what happened with this Bengals team flipped my thought on that. In that, I think that the chicken and the egg is established that the culture really is what comes first. And I never thought I would say that. I always thought it was just what people say when they win as a way to talk about the fact that everybody loves everybody in a winning locker room. Having seen it go from so low and and where all they had was the culture and how it did grow out of that. And maybe that's just that, that people can't always pull that off and actually pulling off a type of winning culture is insanely hard to do, but it definitely flipped my mind that that is not just something for lip service. That is, that is real. And I think one of the most under discussed part of success in the NFL that we've seen across a lot of these different young head coaches and those from the McVay tree that have been successful far more than outside zone or any of that stuff. I think, uh, you know, for me, another very recent example would be Jesse Bates, yeah. because a year ago I was, I don't want to say driving the bus, but I was emphatic, dude, you don't have enough good players sign Jesse Bates. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the kind of guy, the profile, the kind of guy you want to lock into. He's a very good player. You drafted him, you developed him, make him a cornerstone. And now I certainly wouldn't balk at the idea of Jesse Bates coming back beyond 2022, but things have changed, right? Well, wait a minute. Got to pay Jamar. Got to pay T. Suddenly this roster is loaded with guys that you got to figure out a way to keep. Um, the, the way Jesse played in the regular season, you know, as, as much as people talk about God, you know, he, he turned it on in the postseason and showed how valuable he was. He was pedestrian last year and they won the division. So, I, 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 he's not a bad player by any stretch. It's not like I've gone from boy, Jesse's great to man. Don't put him on the field, but I've gone in less than a year from dude, sign it, get it done. Write the guy a check to now, you know, I'm ready to sort of end this at the end of this year. And, and yeah, it's it, the, the story has evolved with them drafting, you know, his replacement and Dax Hill and, and what they've done in the, in the secondary via the draft uh, that's changed things as well. But, the, 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 you know, again, it's information. Okay. Well, the team was okay last year without Jesse being at his absolute best. And boy, there's suddenly a lot of guys on this team that they got to figure out how to pay. And also there's a shifting market for wide receivers. So these guys are making more than anybody ever could have conceived maybe a year ago. And there's the borough contract. And so in that regard, I mean, I remember emphatically last June and July going, get this done. Like what's, what are we doing here? And now, um, not that I would think it was a bad thing if suddenly they somehow came to an agreement, gave him a huge contract and gave him what he wanted. But how I feel about that has changed based on a lot of stuff that has happened since last summer. I mean, it all, it comes down to the big picture aspect where 
fans and even we in the media a lot of times are, are so focused on the now and you you do give the Bengals some credit there that to, to be able to see that big picture and you know no maybe they couldn't anticipate the the wide receiver market exploding maybe they did I don't know but that there are reasons why why they do what they do and you look what what a difference maker Joe is on offense and 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 Jamar and as good as Jesse is how valuable is a really good safety you you the, I don't want to say those guys are plug and play but they went out and drafted one in the first round and he he may end up being better than Jesse and I, I'm with you Mo that's another one the in the more I was thinking further back but in the recent when that last year the issue it, it seemed like they were making a big mistake and not re-upping or not signing him to a long-term deal and and now you it it feels like it is the right move to to maybe have one more go with them and then let him go a separate ways. And if they do, if I don't think you're going to see the Bengals move off of their number, if Jesse moves off of his number and a long-term deal comes about, then I'm not going to be against it, but it is in, in the period of what it's, it's been a year that, that, that mm-hmm. thinking has flipped. Well, and I'll, I'll give you, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Paul. Sorry. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, no, it's your show. What am I doing? <laughs> Sit here and shut up. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 the the Jesse thing. I wanted to just kind of. What did you make of Burrow's statement about Bates yesterday? Because it was pretty emphatic for the quarterback. Mm. It this wasn't just oh yeah, we'd love to have Jesse around. It was, it was you know you got to It's not just the price tag you're trying to put on him as a player. It's what he means to us as a locker room. He's a leader. I want here. I'm going to Vegas with him. Like we are together on this. I talk to him all the time. I mean, like now when you get to keeping number nine happy, we know the power that holds inside of the building. What do you, it could that be something that expedites things? Do you, I, I don't personally think that it will shake the tree that much because of this family and knowing the way that they are not shaken by just about anything. However, you know, it, that certainly I would think uh, it certainly doesn't hurt Jesse Bates. No, I mean, I, I took it as um, he's doing what he should do. He's saying what he should say. He's doubling down on one of his teammates and that's what the quarterback of the team should do. I think it would be interesting though, if behind closed doors, he said to Joe, cool, we're getting it done. Um, who do you want to throw to after we lose T Higgins? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean like, but those are, those are the real conversations as much as people love to pretend the, the cap isn't real. I mean, those are, those are the real conversations that have to be had. And so I'm sure they wouldn't put it to him that way, but okay. Making Jesse Bates, the highest paid safety in the NFL or whatever it is he actually wants there's going to be, you know, collateral effect there. So is Joe okay with that? And um, I don't know that the answer would be yes or no, but, but that's, you know, behind closed doors, that's, that's a part of it. Um, I think Joe did, he did what he is supposed to do. I mean, you're supposed to have your teammates back. I would have found it interesting had he not, you know, he was pretty emphatic. I listened to it. It was he was pretty emphatic, but I would have thought it was interesting had he kind of dismissed the question or not been quite as emphatic or, or whatever. Um, I don't know. You guys certainly know this hell of a lot better than I do. I don't know how much that resonates inside Paul Brown Stadium, but but again, the, the follow-up to that would be if you want Jesse Bates so bad, okay, who are you willing to say goodbye to? And it's interesting because 
you know, we, we pose that question oftentimes to, to fans and listeners and stuff. And, you know, when people think about it, they're like, you well, know, okay. You know, I mean, and, and by the way, they've, they've drafted his replacement. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, you can't go back and undo that. Like that, that, that thing happened. So if you can go back in time and draft somebody else, and now their only option at safety is Jesse Bates, that's one thing, but that's, that's not reality. I was going to quickly say this just to give you one glaring example it has nothing to do with the NFL, an area where I have drastically changed my mind. It's more baseball related. A friend of mine and I have sat at Great American Ballpark and spent multiple innings arguing over whether or not baseball should ban the shift. Mm. And I've always been opposed to banning any sort of defensive strategy. And then I read a piece in which Theo Epstein, who's working for baseball right now, talked about how they want to bring athleticism back to the game. And that's the part of the sport that I love the most. And I won't say I've come all the way to my buddy's side where I want to ban every single shift, but now I'm more willing to meet in the middle that I was. And that's based on listening to Theo Epstein and a handful of others talk about, we feel like this will help bring the athleticism back to our sport. And you'll see guys making all sorts of insane plays. And so now I've always just been emphatic. If you ban the shift, that's stupid. What are you going to do next? Are, are first baseman not allowed to hold runners on stuff like that? I know this is a football podcast, but that's an area. And so I've even surprised like people close to me that I've talked about this with. And this illustrates the, the nerdy conversations we have that I'm like, you know what? Maybe there's some validity to the idea that you at least limit the shift. Yeah. There you go. I, I so many takes. You're just, I, I appreciate it. You're just a flip-flopper is all you really are. I really am. That's it. I don't really believe in anything. You don't believe in anything. Basically, I could be bought. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's <laughs> I can change my mind based on what I'm getting paid. Well, I look forward to, uh, maybe we'll change your mind about the 2014 Bengals after we do our throwback podcast uh, at the end uh, in July. So we'll, uh, that will be the next time that we'll chat will be when we're reacting to the Bengals Broncos 2014 and the 2014 Bengals season. One of the most forgotten uh, in recent history. I'm very much looking forward to that. I th There's a part of that night that stands out to me more than anything, and I'm dying to find the audio of it. And I don't think I have it, but it bothers me so much. It was an indelible part of my career, and it happened that night. All right. Ooh, keep, good tease. Keep, that is a, How's that, that for a that tease? Is, that is professional. <laughs> that is a professional tease from a professional uh, journalist. Thank you, Mo. I appreciate it. You call me a journalist? <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> See you guys. See you. All right. Great to catch up with Mo, as always. Um, yeah. We, you know, I, we were going to obviously talk a little bit about the Jesse Bates thing, but I bring, you know, I thought, you know, Mo with an interesting side on that. The, the I just I, again, like you said, it's not like Joe said something that we weren't anticipating him saying. But I, you know, I talk to him every day. We're going to Vegas, like Burrow and Bates in Vegas. While Bates is in the middle of this deadline situation, is kind of fascinating mm -hmm. in its own way. Um, 
you know, is are they at the, is he like, maybe you shouldn't go to the high roller table just yet, Jesse, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'll go, because I, I, there's nothing that could happen to me where I won't get my coin eventually. But, you know, I'll go into the high roller. Maybe you should wait until you get through the first half of the season. Like, you know, I, I'm just, the, the vision of these guys in Vegas, I'm sure it will be much more calm. Uh, and, and we're just being silly here, of course. But uh, I, I, I did find it to be a pretty... It's just the the last cherry on top of uh, the wait for the July fifteenth deadline on Jesse. Yeah, I kind of I view Jesse and and Joe almost as kindred spirits. I remember Joe the way Joe came in and just that lo- that leadership ability exuded from him, and you expect that from a quarterback, especially the one just won at Heisman in a national title. I remember when Jesse came in as a rookie and being so impressed by. Just his demeanor and his confidence. And, and you knew, you knew from the first couple of times you talked to him that that guy is going to be a captain one day. That guy is going to be a centerpiece of this defense. You assume he's second round pick. You assume he can play and not just the talent, but just the, the way he carried himself. And, and I, I found it interesting that it doesn't surprise me because those two are so alike that they would take a trip. They don't seem like Vegas guys. They, they they don't seem like I don't know if they would be at the 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 high roller table or at tables in general. They they seem to be more comfortable out of, now when you're on the field. Yes, you're in the public spotlight, but maybe taking a show. Is there um, a UFC <laughs> event? I mean, that would make yeah, sense. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Right. I mean, that's yeah. what Joe's into. Maybe they'll yep. be at a Vegas UFC event that is going on in July, uh, you know, something like that or whatever that is. Um, either so, so that would that would certainly make sense for something right. that they uh, would do if that's like a common ground. I've never talked to Jesse about UFC, but we know how Joe feels about it. Um, so anyway, interesting thoughts on that. Uh, I, a little bit of wrapping up some things that Zach Taylor said and a touch of news before we get into some of your questions. Um Got a little last check-in on Joseph Osai, Alex Kappa, T. Higgins, Logan Wilson, all who have kind of been held out a little bit during the offseason program, just working on the side. Kappa, of course, had the the core muscle in deal uh, that happened right at the beginning. <laughs> uh, expectations are all will be back for camp. He's like, you know, I, you can't ever make any true guarantees on anything that's – six weeks out, but they're all on pace to be back at the beginning of camp. Maybe there's a thing where they're held out of a day or two here. You ease them back in or for whatever reason. But for the most part, all is well on that. And that's good. I mean, those are four big names um, that are really important to this team's success this year that they want to have fully healthy. So expectations are they will. Joe Batchy might uh, be a little bit further behind, but I mean, he had the late ACL. So, he, you know, think Trey Hopkins, even Burrow last year, they, you know, we're still working back during camp and that's going to be part of um, his uh, process. So anything else news wise that stuck out to you from, from Zach Taylor yesterday, we were about 15, 20 minutes with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I not news wise so much, but I did what he said about how the vacation was in March and April. And, and he kind of said the same thing that Joe did where he was basically saying it's go time and, and these guys need to, to be doing, it's not a vacation coming up here. They need to be invested in, in the football part and yes, you get a break, but it's, it's not just put everything away and forget about it. Um, 
And then uh, talking about Jackson Carmen too, we've we've seen him all through this this off season, um, running with the ones. Yeah, it's been on air. It hasn't it hasn't been anything super competitive, but but he said the competition hasn't even started yet. This is this is just he's the most likely to take over that job. So he's the one that's in that there right now, getting that continuity with everybody else. But this this is the competition before the competition. And, and it, it's still that job is still out there to be won in training camp. And he, he may be a front runner, but he, he's no lock. So it's it's still, I think, going to be. I mean, I don't know how excited you're going to get about a holder competition uh, or a punting competition. That's that's the one that I, I think everybody's going to be watching closely is is Volson and, and Jackson Carmen and seeing what happens there at that guard spot. Same way we were watching the guard spot last year. Yeah. I mean, it's the same type of concept. But we'll, yeah, I mean, anybody, <laughs> there are zero. Point one observate percentage of observations that need to be made about offensive line battles right now. <laughs> like you're literally judging them who's going to win the job by stretching. Like that's what this <laughs> that's what this amounts to. They don't even have pads on. They can't even really touch anybody. They're not doing anything. Uh, so this will be about they're setting it up so that they are knowledgeable about where to go and what to do when the pads do come on so they can properly judge them when that happened. And then Cordell Volson and Jackson Carmen and the others, you know, whatever happens with Trey Hill and Deontay Smith at tackle, um, the, the battle he'll have be in a battle with Isaiah Prince for that swing tackle spot. Number one off the bench type deal. See where he's at. The, those line battles will occur when the pads come on. Right now, it's just making sure that they know where to go when the pads come on, and that's all that matters. Um, let's uh, Q and A. A, little, a few mailbag mm-hmm. questions. You up for this? I am. Yeah. All right. We got we, we got mail time. I've got some for you. I did a little. Paul's got stats here. Do you have any Jay's got stats? By the way, we just kind of like glossed through so far, and I haven't even prompted that. Well, I, I was kind of interested. I wanted to piggyback off of your halftime hijink story and then also off of the sophomore slump story and look at Evan McPherson in year two. And I was curious. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about best stories about alliteration. I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> where are we going with this? I'm so excited. Are we going to have more alliteration talk? She sells seashells by the seashore. That's right. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I was wondering what it would take for him to have – the, the best kicking numbers of all time for a kicker in his first two seasons. And it's probably not going to happen league wide, but I do think he, there's some numbers in reach franchise wise. Um, the, the, the record for most field goals made in the first two seasons of a career, not surprisingly, Justin Tucker, 68, the Bengals record for the first two years, Doug Pelfrey, 52 McPherson had 28 last year. If he doubles that, he beats Pelfrey. Um, he would need 41 to beat Tucker. I don't see that happening. Um, if you're just talking about points, um, Harrison Butker owns the record 279. Again, Doug Pelfrey 193. McPherson already at 130. Feels like that's a lock that he's going to set that that record. And then the, the plus 50 field goals, Blair Walsh with 12 in his first two seasons. McPherson's already at nine. So that one does feel like a lock that he's going to set that NFL record. 12 is, is the number. Uh, there were people that had 10 in their first year uh, besides McPherson. 12 is the record. 
Uh, unless I put a poor parameter in. Uh oh, parameter um, questions. <laughs> Param- that doesn't feel right. That there had to have been somebody yeah, that Blair went Walsh, six like, and s- yeah. That feels like almost just for the first season. I yes. think we've got parameter issues. Okay, uh, well, that feels like maybe. The, the I mean, one, Justin though, Tucker in his first two seasons. How many fifty plusers did he have in his first two seasons? True, because um, he had he had ten. I, I, I believe the number was 10. I think he, as a rookie, you mean? Yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah, because we were because McPherson was chasing him at one point, and still late in the season, they were trying to, he was trying to beat Tucker's record for most 50 plus yards in a season. Um, and that may even have been without a miss. There's guys that, that had some. I don't know. I think we'll have to check, double check back on some, on some parameters. On, on that. Yes, I, I may be wrong on that one. We'll, We'll flip back around to that. Let me uh, let me get I do, back. Well, before though, I, I, this one is not a wrong parameter for the the, the Bengals' record for career fifty yard field goals is Evan McPherson with nine. He set a career record in his rookie year. So that and that that's not nobody just for two has years. more than nine fifty plus yard field goals in their entire Bengals career. No. Wow. About that, well, I get you know, Breach kicked for the uh, such a long time, but he wasn't a distance guy; he was an accuracy right. guy. Rackers wasn't here probably long enough, although I would have thought with his leg he might have. Well, his career wasn't long or that illustrious. Pelfrey, Sh- Sh- Shane, and Randy and Nuge weren't exactly distance guys, so I guess, I guess that's possible. That's just that's still astounding. That just goes to show how how good he was. That's still that's still wild. Um, okay, first question yes. from Vincent Lewis: Chances of the Bengals being both a top five offense and defense next year? Now, I got stats. Okay, this it 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 sparked my interest, and I'm sure I will be dropping this into a mailbag or a twib or something like this soon because. Uh, I found it interesting. So I, I just went to DVOA. Uh, there's other metrics you could use for what you consider top five offense and defense points per drive. We know is one that Zach Taylor um, views as the most important for efficiency. Um, so you could you could redo this with that metric, whatever metric you want. But I'm just doing – let's just go general DVOA, offense and defense. Now, now we know DVOA was not big fans of the Bengals last year as a whole. Uh, they had them actually at 17 offensively and 16 defensively over the course of the regular season and playoffs. Now, if you go to weighted DVOA, they were up much higher. They were overall number nine in, with weighted DVOA on the course of last season because as the year got on, they obviously got hot late and, and played much better down the stretch, which goes to show kind of where I think you would view maybe they will be this season. That said, Jay, I'll ask you, how many teams in the last five seasons, so dating back to 2017 season, do you think finished in the top five DVOA in both offense and defense? Yeah, this is good. I I, I remember doing something similar with this where it was top 10, and I was looking at just total yards. Um, right. I, I think – I think Buffalo last year might have done it, but if if we're talking what you say, last five years, how many teams? Five years, last five full seasons dating back to 2017 season. I will say six teams have done it. 
Six teams have done that. Yes. Three teams have done that. Three. Was I right on Buffalo last year? Incorrect. They were not even mm. – no. Uh, Tampa Bay in 2020 when they won the Super Bowl mm. with Brady was three offensively and five defensively. They went 11-5 and five with the Super Bowl. 2019 Baltimore, they were number one on offense and number five defensively. They went 14-2. and two. Uh, Of course, they, they ended up not advancing in the playoffs. And then this was one that I just wouldn't have thought of. 2017 Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. How about that? Five offensively, and, and Zim had that group cooking on defense, number one of number one defense. They went eleven and five. I was like, okay, there's only three. Right? So this is I mean, this is hard to do. So the, to say what are the chances, not good. Uh, I mean, the, you're mm-hmm. talking about five times 32. We're up in 160, right? Uh, 160 individual seasons, and there's been three, okay, by anybody. So the chances of being a top five DVOA offense and defenses are not good. If you do, you're going to win double-digit games. There's a pretty good chance you're going to be in the conference championship game or Super Bowl or something like that. I went a little further back. Okay. That's what you do. You change your parameters <laughs> and your filters. And I said, let's let's dial it back to top quarter of the league the last five years in offense and defense. So top eight. Let's let's give a little bit more wiggle room. Jay, how many teams do you believe finished in the top quarter of the league the last five years in both offense and defense? Or I shouldn't say teams, because this is an interesting element of this. Uh seasons by a team. Yeah. Uh, over the last five years. What do you think? Uh, well, I'll double your answer and go back to my previous answer and go to six. Ten seasons. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing, Jay. There needs to be a 30 for 30 on this. Someone get Cat Terrell on the phone. 2017 New Orleans, 2018 New Orleans, 2019 New Orleans, 2020 New Orleans. Whoa. All both offense and defense in the top quarter in DVOA. Never made it to the Super Bowl. How many playoff How, wins did they have? Well, I mean, they were right on. Obviously, the the big controversial right pa- uh, pass interference league. call against Nickel uh, Roby Coleman. Um, you know, in the year that the Rams go to the Super Bowl, I mean, they they were there every year. It was just they were they they couldn't get over the over the top. But that that list, four of the ten seasons are just <laughs> Saints. During that time, two Rams seasons, the 2017 Rams and last year's Rams, last year's Rams that went to the Super Bowl, the Niners in their Super Bowl season, and the Eagles in their Super Bowl season. So 2017 Eagles, 2019 49ers, 2021 Rams, uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl appearances. Uh, And then the Tampa Bay team, also Super Bowl appearance. Uh, So, I mean, you – you can see uh, Dallas last year as well. Six and was six offensively and two defensively. All teams double digit wins. Bunch of them with Super Bowl appearances. You do this, no shock. If you're really good on offense and defense, there's a good chance you're going to make quite a run. Um, but that's how hard it is to to even get in the top quarter in both. Well, let's not act like this is something that happens all the time. And it's important to keep that in mind when you start talking about setting expectations. Um, but look, 
That is four Super Bowl participants. If there's a goal to have, that's one. And I, is it out of the question? No, it's not out of the question. I mean, they played well. They've played well enough. The personnel set well enough that you could see that happening. That said, um, that it's not likely. Yeah, because the you you can be really good on offense and defense and still not hit those parameters, either top five or top eight. Because if you've got a super explosive offense and you're just you're just trouncing people. I mean, they talk about it all the time playing complementary football. You're you're not gonna you're gonna play sort of the the prevent defense if you're building leads and and you're gonna let teams work their way down the field as opposed to really attacking and exposing yourself to to some deep shots over the middle. And it's the same way. If you have a super defense that's locking everybody down, your offense doesn't need to come out and, and take deep shot after deep shot after deep shot. It's kind of the the pendulum swinging back and forth, the yin and yang, whatever you want to call it. I think that's what makes it so tough is because the yes, they're separate entities, but they don't operate in a vacuum. You you play defense based on what the offense is doing, and you play offense based on what the defense is doing at times. So it is, it's it's hard to to really excel at both. Um I I wouldn't bet on it. I I don't even know what I would put the percentage at. Maybe 15% chance they could do that top five in both this year. Uh, maybe a little bit higher for top eight. It feels like the offense is going to be there, um, but not sure that the defense will be. Which is a weird thing to say, considering the defense is what was carrying this team down the stretch. But that, it wasn't overall. It was big play at the right time and, and, and coming up big at the end of games. You look at, you look at the AFC championship game that, that, defense in the first half was not very good at all and then they 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 turned it on when they had to um if you're going to be top five top eight in dvoa you've you 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 have to be consistently dominant very true um let's go forward to the next one i've got a run passer boot from i'm not really even sure uh there's just a bunch of letters thrown together, and it's an <laughs> egg. I don't know why we need. I should. There should be a need to have to have a face or some kind of avatar to take it. But I will take it because I'm. I was okay with the question. Uh, run pass or boot. Uh, we the what's most likely week one starter that's not on the roster presently. Multiple rookie starters in week one. Uh, Bates's long term plans are resolved by the end of the preseason. Most likely. Well, I mean, the only way that the Bates thing could happen is if he signs, right? July 15th. Well, he could not show up. He could still not. But even that wouldn't be, it would be resolved because he would have until the middle. Will he show up? Will he show up and everything be set by the end is the question, basically. Uh, Is he here? He's playing on the franchise tag, or maybe he got a deal done in July um, at the end of the preseason. Well, I'll, I'll run with that one because I think he's going to show up. I think he's 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 not going to hold out. He's not going to leave thirteen million on the table. Um, what was the other the two rookie starters or multiple two ro- multiple rookie starters or a nobody on or the, a week one starter that's not on the roster presently? Yeah, I'll boot the week one ro- week one starter that's not on the roster, and I'll I'll pass on the the rookie starters, even though it, I mean, injuries happen in training camp and that's basically what it would have to take. You even if you, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they find a spot for, for Dax Hill. Jesse Bates comes back and 
I don't know. I don't know how they, they could get two rookie starters on, on the, the field without a rash of injuries. So I, I'm not going to run with that one just because I don't, I don't want to wish that on him. Yeah. I mean, you've got two battles they could win. I mean, you've got Volson and Taylor Britt. Um, I don't foresee, we don't know, but I don't foresee Taylor Britt winning that job week one uh, <laughs> over Eli Apple. I, I, you know, Dax Hill, is there a, yeah, I think you're right. I think they would have to have probably one injury in Volson winning the guard job um, is your most likely scenario to end up with two rookie starters. I mean, that, that's that's really the the opening that you have. Or mul- multiple injuries, obviously, is possible, but that's yeah. probably the most, the most likely. So I'm with you. I think it's the same. All right, I'll wrap it up. Last one here uh, from Finn McCool. I like that. Finn McCool. <laughs> I like that. I need to change my name to something like that. Uh, which Bengals would be the best NBA, MLB, and NHL players? Now I've got, Ooh. I got a couple. I got a couple in my NBA. I think is obvious. T. Higgins was a great basketball yes. player and athlete uh, in Tennessee. Uh, check out some of the YouTube clips of him as an athlete, as a basketball player. Like he could be, you know, your your wing stretch. I guess. I guess he's, he's only, only really by basketball standards. He's not that tall, uh, even though he is tall by football standards. You know, six four. I mean, they, what do they list him? Do they list him six four? He's six four six five. Yes, they have listed him at six four. He's six four six five. You, he could get away with playing a three and attacking the attacking the bucket. I could get, I could see that potentially. I mean, he's a hell of an athlete. He's got the high, enough height to play. Um, Joe Burrow, yeah, point guard was, or mean, two guard. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, he's he he was a really good basketball player. He said basketball was one of his first loves, and uh, he can shoot it. And maybe he could distribute. I, I'll take Burrow in just about anything. I mean, just if he, you give him some time. So I, I have T and Burrow at the top of my NBA list. Although you usually just go to the tight end room, but I don't. I don't know that I see yeah. that with Hayden Hurst or Drew Sample. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about the NBA game of like Thad Moss or whatever. Maybe maybe they've got some. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. There's anybody. I mean, could could. LC be a Shaq type of, could he be a five down low? I, I, I don't no. know what his, he's, he's not tall. I mean, by no, NBA you're... standards, are you going to be play, banging in the middle with, <laughs> with Lyle Collins? At I, I don't see four? him running up and down the court for 48 minutes either. I mean, six, four, it's six, four, three twenty is a very impressive number. Unless you like all of a sudden put that on a basketball court. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't make quite as, quite as much sense. Uh, I mean, they don't have anybody that's really gonna really hit a lot of your height marks that you're that you're looking for necessarily. Um, they don't have, you know, your Eiferts, Margus Hunt back in the day. Yeah, throw back on that. Um, do you have a do you have a an MLB idea? Well, off the top of my head, I guess DJ Reader. He did pitch for Clemson as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Actually, talked to him about that yesterday. If he's talked to the Reds yet. Uh, about throwing out an op- uh, first an opening he's pitch ready. to the game, he's ready. He wants to do it. He's he said he doesn't know if they're interested, but he he said he's he's gone to a handful of Reds games already. He loves going to baseball games and and watching the the stuff between the pitches and and really kind of diving into games. And um, I asked him what he thought he could hit right now, and he said he could probably go out right now and hit low eighties, eighty eighty two to eighty three on the gun. 
um, without throwing a pitch in forever. Like it. So, and you, I don't know. I don't, as far as swinging a bat and it's such a different sport. I, I, I go back to a few years ago when they had that charity softball game and I was stunned at just how awkward some of the Bengals look throwing the ball. It, it, it's just it, not quite apples and oranges football and baseball, but it's pretty close. Um, I, I, I think Joe Mixon might be a sneak. I don't know MLB, but I, he's he's a sneaky guy with with his speed, with his size. He, if he got a hold of one, I think he could really turn on it. Um, and he looked in that softball charity softball game. He looked smooth in left field. Um, beyond that, though, I don't. Maybe Brandon Allen. I remember when Jeff Jeff Driscoll was on the team. He got drafted by the Red Sox. He, he actually had a baseball background. I'm not sure anybody, the, any of these guys other than DJ Reader have played played baseball at a high level. I, I'd like to see Jamar Chase in a Billy Hamilton role. <laughs> yes. Okay, give me – let me swatch him play center field and range after ball. Or Jesse Bates, he, you know, he, has, mm-hmm. a, he has a baseball center fielder type background. Could be, could be good for you too. Um, but I'd like to see Jamar Chase running the bases. I'd like to see – you know, just just testing things and out there using his speed and running around and uh, and chasing balls down uh, in the outfield just 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 to watch what a freakish athlete looks like in the crossover NHL. I'm looking for beards. I'm looking for mentality. I feel like NHL size. You can be a little bit. We don't, I don't know if anybody can skate. Like I just yeah. I'm looking for people who are from the north a little bit who seem comfortable in cold weather. Potentially a good beard. Uh, that's Volson. Yeah. Cordell Volson. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know anything about his, uh, you know, North Dakota ice hockey career, but I'd be interested in checking it out. Potentially he could be, although big man on skates, hey, there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. There's a lot of big athletes in the NHL. What about Ted Karras? Yeah. Ted Karras. I mean, he's, He's from up north a little bit, at least Indianapolis, Indiana. You know, you've got he he was in New England for a while. He's got a beard. I feel like he's got he's got a little bit of a that happy NHL vibe to him. Potentially, Ted Karras. I have know nothing of whether he's ever worn a skate in his life, but potentially, potentially Ted Karras. Also, what about Joe Bocci? Okay, it's a good athlete. You know, six two two thirty five, Michigan State. Okay, he's he's from the Midwest, a little bit up north. I don't know his skating background either, but I like the Michigan State at his build. Linebackers feel like NHL players to me a little bit yeah. um, when I think about their size and athleticism. Um, so maybe maybe he would be one that I would uh, that I'd put on there. What a sneaky one, Tyler Shelvin. He didn't have to put st- skates on; just what? put him out there in tennis shoes, put him in goal. There's, oh. there, how are you going to score? They're no. so they're so. Put him on t- tennis windows. shoes. Yeah, I no no. I actually can I can we watch Tyler Shelvin try to speed skate? Is that something that we are allowed? Could we set that up somehow? Because I'm in for that. Um, Sam Hubbard, teach him how to skate. Lacrosse background, great yeah. athlete, great size. Like feels like a guy who could do everything. I don't know that he's got a skating background, but you know the the lacrosse, NHL concept, the physicality he'd be good with, all that stuff that would play. I just we got to teach Sam how to skate if he doesn't know how to already. 
So potentially Sam Hubbard in there. That's my that's my answers to that. Appreciate the questions, everybody. We'll get to more of that. Um, all right. Thanks everybody for listening. That'll wrap us up for the off season, man. We're gonna hit our off season series next week. Uh, as we we told you, we'll we'll be ripping off that that series that uh, we're really excited to bring you uh, that you're gonna like. Um, and uh, then we'll have our throwback game. Myself. Jay, Mo, Dan Horde uh, talking about 2014 uh, Bengals, Broncos, Monday Night Football, a win over Peyton Manning on Monday Night Football that sent them to the playoffs. And in general, that 2014 team, which was a weirdly forgotten one in a in very interesting, successful run, five-year run in, in Bengals history. And so a lot of fun stuff to, to dive into there. And then by that time, we'll be back. Of course, we're, we're basically we're moving into emergency pod, vacation emergency pod mode. So uh, the Jesse Bates thing will be hanging out there around the July 15th deadline. Or if something were to pop off earlier, um, you know, we can always be ready to go and react to that. But Jay and I are going to take some time to uh, get away. And uh, let you guys enjoy this series, Jay. You're, Jay, we're, you're uh, it's Tybee time for you, isn't it? Yes, uh, Tybee Island. We go every year, and we've done this the last four years, and they've blown up. I can't wait. We when we go down with three families, there's only a handful of people want to go. Now the entire traveling party wants to go. We're going to see a Savannah Bananas game while we're down there. Um, just one of the most fun things you can do as a sporting spectator. It is just, it is a heck of a show. If anybody's in that area, if you can get a ticket, I would suggest going. Big fan of banana ball. HBO real sports did another piece on them the other day. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so great. I want just banana ball day across all of baseball where MLB, every MLB game is forced to be played banana ball style. That's what I want just for one day. That's all I want. Let's let's bring a little fun to the ballpark. That's all. Huge disadvantage for the Reds because there's no fans to catch foul balls to for a, for an actual <laughs> out. And if you're not familiar with banana ball, that is a rule that if the visiting team hits a foul ball and someone in the stands catches it, it does count as an out. Oh, and they would be definitely encouraging everyone to move down to the first and third baselines. That's for sure. Bring your gloves. Uh, all right, everybody, enjoy your summer. Enjoy the series. Uh, we think you're going to love it. And uh, we will be on emergency mode for the next month. And then we'll be catching you on the flip side as we start getting you ready for training camp 2022. Have a great summer. Everybody.